This is the show for those who want to live strong in business, life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast. Zoom is a a whole different world. You know, well, through the pandemic too, it it um, skyrocketed. So you know, just mm-hmm. it being a tech thing, there was not very many users before using it, and then yeah. COVID, and it's like now it, it highlights kind of all, all the issues and all the glitches, and it doesn't oh, yeah. work or it doesn't record or <laughs> whatever. So, all right. Um, today's show, guys, we are talking to Amanda LeCount. She's danced with artists like Megan Trainer, Nicki Minaj, Katy Perry, Lizzo, Lady Gaga, and Rihanna. And she's even appeared on major networks and TV shows like ABC's The Little Mermaid, Live, America's Got Talent, and Netflix's The Prom with Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and Carrie Washington. I want to give a big warrior her welcome to Amanda LeCount. Hey, yay. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I'm so, so happy to be here and thanks for having me. So, you know, you're telling us you're in LA, which we'll get to mm-hmm. how you ended up in LA. So for people who are listening to the show who have no idea who you are, let's kind of give them a little bit of your backstory of where you came from. Sure. I was born in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is a pretty small town in Colorado. And I lived there until I was 13. And when I was 13, I sat down with my mom and I said, hey, I want to move to LA. You know, that's where most of the jobs are. And I really want to pursue this. And it's my passion. And I'm really lucky I had a mom who, or a parent or guardian that was really, really supportive. And she trusted me and she never doubted me or anything like that. And she said, okay, you know, let me figure out a few things and we'll go. Um, And that's crazy to me. You know, she didn't even second guess it. She was like, okay, I trust you. I know you work hard and this is what you love. And then I ended up moving to LA about six, six and a half years ago. And yeah, I've been here trying to you know, make it ever since. <laughs> and what was life like in Fort Collins? Mm, very different than LA. <laughs> we we uh, lived life at a much slower pace, but part of me will always, always love Fort Collins. I mean, it's it's where I grew up and I think everyone has just a special place in their heart for where they grew up and where like they live for their childhood. I think it's just a special connection. And I still have my family there. Most of my family still lives there. So it's still a special place to me, but it was very different than LA. It was slow. It was the type of place where you knew like 90% of the people in your town. It was like, go to the grocery store. Hey, John, you know, hey, Carrie. It was, it was very that. Um, and I do miss that a little bit, kind of having that, um, feeling that you know everyone and it's like a kind of a big family in a way um but I'm definitely very very lucky that I got to move to LA this is where a lot of opportunities are and I've been so lucky to have the opportunities that I've been given and um even though sometimes it can be stressful or 
sometimes the people here aren't the nicest. Um, I, I think it's worth it. And I know a lot of people would do anything to live here and, and do what I do. So I'm very lucky, but I do miss Fort Collins a lot of the time. And why dance? Mm, why dance? How did Such you get into dance? Question. You know, your mom was just, was she yeah. just like, all right, like I need to get her in something so that she's having fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I come from a family of seven, including myself. So I have six older siblings, very, very large family. And my mom was very, um, I hope this is the right word, like persistent, I think, on having all of us do some sort of activity, whether it was sports or the arts or theater or singing. She wanted us to do some sort of activity. So we weren't, you know, just going school home, school home, you know, she wanted us to have something fun that we love to do. And I was only two when I started dancing. And I first started because my two older sisters uh, were dancing at the time when I was growing up, they don't dance anymore. Um, but they danced when I was growing up. And my mom, she was a single parent. And so I would have to come with her to the studio a lot of the time. And whenever I was in there, I'd be like staring through the window or jumping up and down and dancing to the music. And I think she just kind of got that instinct that it's something I would have I would like to do and she put me in my first little you know two to three combo classes um which are like the really like um kind of the baby classes for dance it's like 20 minute jazz 20 minute tap 20 minute ballet and she put me into those and I've I'm the only one that dances now <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since then and so you what point did you move to LA what year was this mm -hmm. Yeah, it was January in 2015. And so at that point, you were how old? I was 13, about to turn 14. So your mom made a big decision. Did you have to move your whole family or was it just you guys by this point? Yeah, it was just me and my mom. At that point, my uh, siblings were all old enough. They were in college or, you know, kind of doing their own thing. So none of them were still living in the house. So we were really lucky that we could just kind of pick up and, and move. And so, you know, for people who are listening um, that that aren't really familiar, I'm trying to set you up with like a timeline, right? So she, you move in 2015. Mm -hmm. Now, was that because you found out about the auditions? Like, how did you know that there was all this stuff in LA? Was it just TV? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So actually what got me into LA at first, I think growing up dancing, I kind of knew that LA and New York were like the big cities for kind of entertainment. I just kind of knew that. But what really wanted, um, what really made me want to go to LA is I actually was on a dance crew, I guess you could call it. I want to say like 2000 in the year 2014. And I was on it with a lot of like the famous or like well-known kid dancers at the time. So if you know any of these people, it was like Casey Rice and uh, Lexi Smith and Tati McQuay and um, just a lot of popular kid dancers. And my mom, the story of how I got on that is pretty funny, actually. My mom saw the group on Facebook and I have never done anything professionally in my life ever, um, or at least not like in L.A. dancing. And she sent them like my resume, which had like nothing on it that was credible. And she sent them like videos of me dancing. And she literally said, hey, I think my daughter would be perfect for this. <laughs> and but hey, she took the risk and they actually put me on the, <laughs> the dance crew. And so I was going out to LA all the time after that because it was in LA. And so we would perform or rehearse and do things like that uh, videos. And then after that, I was like, okay, we need we need to move to LA. 
um, I started taking classes and like going to agency auditions. And I just knew that obviously if I wanted to pursue that, I'd have to live there. You know, it'd be almost impossible to live in Colorado and still like pursue a professional career here. And so that's actually what first got me kind of into LA. Okay. So your mom, but your mom taking that chance was huge Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the people that do listen to the show are in that, that period, right. Mm -hmm. Of like taking the risk Mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a, it's a crucial part of the timeline because if your mom wouldn't have done that, Mm -hmm. maybe big things wouldn't have been led you to other opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you get this, you go to this dance crew. Now, Mm -hmm. how, how far from that point do you figure out, I'm going to try out for America's Got Talent? Oh, oh, that was, um, well, actually, so I was on America's Got Talent last year and I actually had auditioned three or four years ago as well. And, um, so, okay, wait, (laughs) I don't want to be confusing. So let me go through the timeline. So, um, teen moved to LA. And then I want to say maybe in like early 2017, um, producers from AGT reached out to me and said, hey, you should audition. And so I went to the audition and I got through, I I, I never got in front of the the panel that time. It was just like the behind the scenes people and the network didn't approve me. I'm not sure why, but I didn't get through to like the next round. And so at that point I was like, okay, I'm done with AGT. I'm not auditioning again. Um, I, I was really like, not mad about it, but I was like, oh, okay, they don't like me. And then in 2020, they reached out again and it was a different producer. And, and we told them, once they asked me to audition, we told them, we were like, hey, we've auditioned before. And like, um, the network didn't seem to like, like me or approve me. So it's probably not worth trying again. You know what I mean? Um, we just said like, hey, probably not worth it. But the producer kept kind of like bugging us and they were like, okay, well, what if we put you straight in front of the panel? And so you don't have to do like the other audition. What if we just put you on the stage? And I was like, okay, I'll do that. You know, I love performing and I love um, being on stages. And I got the opportunity to just go right in front of the judges. And so that was the timeline, if that makes sense. So 2015 moved here, 2017 first auditioned, and then 2020 did my performance that I did last year. But there's a lot of lessons in that too, because sometimes the first time isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And do you think that there was things that skills just overall, maybe uh, with interpersonal skills, with actual dance skills, with all of the, you know, holding yourself a certain way as a performer that you think that you could have had at that point? Oh, I definitely think I wasn't ready <laughs> when I, when I first went. Um, even now, just from last year, I'm like, oh, I could have done so much better. That's not how I dance now. Um, but I think that's how you know that you're growing as an artist is if you look back on stuff you did a year ago and you're like, oh, cringe. Like, that's how you know you're growing. Um, but I definitely think it was a good thing that I didn't get on the first time. Definitely don't think I would have done my best. Um, so I'm glad that it worked out the second time. And I was hopefully a little more put together and a little more skilled and stuff like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to add in a clip from when mm-hmm. you actually auditioned because I don't know what anyone who's listening believes in, if people believe in God or just the universe or whatever, but I happen to be watching America's Got Talent. I don't watch that much TV. Yeah. 
and I saw you on the show and I was so freaking excited. Okay. Cause I'm like, yes, like someone as young as you are, I'm not that much older than you. I'm like 21. <laughs> no, <laughs> but someone as young as you, I have cousins your age and, you know, struggling with their identity and how, like how they feel about themselves. And, and anytime you're different, right. Mm-hmm. The perception is, is just so hard to deal with sometimes. So I was like, yes, she's about to kill it. <laughs> she's going to mess it up. Like I was so <laughs> excited and just your energy, like you could just feel that energy through a screen, which is so strange. Like it's so hard to, I think, describe sometimes to people when you just feel it. And like, that's why I was like, I have to just try to talk to her and see why she's like this. Like, where did she get this from? Where does it come from? You know? And, um, thank you for just being, being willing to be vulnerable. Cause ultimately that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched your video on YouTube about like being like people like fat shaming you, mm-hmm. which is a, we, we could go off on a tangent on those types of things but there's a lot of parallels with like first of all you're a woman um you look different from what the stereotype is of Mm -hmm. dancers right Mm -hmm. um you're young Mm -hmm. you have beautiful red hair that's different Mm -hmm. right quote unquote so yeah (laughs) tell me how you got so confident Mm -hmm. How I got so confident. Whenever this question comes up, it's it's so it's so hard for me because on one hand, I think that I always had a, a decent amount of confidence growing up. But then on the other hand, I know that I've definitely gained more and more confidence as I've grown up. And I also know that there were still times growing up and still even now where I'm very insecure or I get down on myself. But I think that's kind of part of of being confident. I think a lot of the time people think that it's either you're confident or you're insecure and there's no in between. And th- no one is 100% confident and no one is 100% insecure. It's it's forever changing and we're always going from one side of the spectrum to the other. Um, but that's normal. That doesn't mean that you know you hate yourself or, or anything like that. But I think I just got my confidence from at one point just realizing that no matter what you do, someone's gonna hate it and someone's not going to like it. And so I always say like, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for someone I'm not. And like trying to change myself to fit these standards or to make other people happy. Um, It's just, it'll never work out. And people are always going to have something to say. So I'd rather just be myself and love what I do and love who I am and, and be confident in that and let the other people say what they want to say, because you can never make everyone happy, sadly. Yeah. How hard is that in LA, especially? Oh yeah. LA. (laughs) Especially if there's, if there's like opportunity, but it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, if you just, you know, Mm -hmm. change your hair a little or lose a little weight or, Mm you know, just don't dance quite like that. Right. Like how is that? How do you, I mean, how does that work for you? Yeah, um, the, all of those are are things that happen all the time. I mean, I was I, I did another podcast maybe a week ago, and I was telling them about typecasting, and a lot of people don't realize that this is so common. And 
one experience, I went to a huge dance audition and we just lined up. We hadn't even done one dance step yet. One, one piece of choreography. We lined up in lines and the choreographer and like creative director just walked past and said, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no. Purely based off of what you look like, like whether they wanted to see you or not. Um, and I hate that um, because I know that I'm, I'm confident so I can, you know, leave that audition and say, oh, whatever, wasn't meant for me. You know what I mean? And not get down on myself about it. But I know a lot of people, and this does not mean that they're sensitive or weak, I wanna stress that, um, but they would take that very personally. And that could really, really affect their self-esteem and their confidence um, and like them loving themselves as who they are. Um, and that happens all the time. And there have been plenty of jobs where um, I didn't get it because of my size or I didn't get it because I'm too short or because I have red hair and freckles and I don't look, what's the word, mature or I look too young. Um, there have been plenty of times like that. And I don't know, just LA is so obsessed with appearance and it's really damaging to a lot of people. And, uh, you have to have really thick skin to like, uh, <laughs> to be dramatic, to like make it out alive in LA. Um, it's definitely not a place for, um, again, I don't want to say like the week because I mean, if someone says something bad about you, you're going to react. And that doesn't mean that you're not like a strong person, but just, you have to have the right mindset for LA is what I'll say. It's definitely its own world. And it's, it's really toxic, honestly, a lot of the time. It's kind of similar to like Miami. Um, mm. I used to be heavily involved, like down and there's, you know, the club scene and just every, mm -hmm. everything, you know, it's all about who you really, how you look a certain way and who, you know, mm. and, um, mm -hmm. Lame. Um, there's so many, there's just so many more things that are more fulfilling in life. That's one, you know, one mm -hmm. of the reasons that I think your message is so powerful, but on that video, when you were talking about the shaming of it, I think sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, this will happen with race. This will happen with being a woman mm -hmm. period. Like, oh, well you, you know, you were like, you're a really good girl dancer or, you know, like yeah. you're a really good, um, athlete for a girl. You know, and it's mm -hmm. like, what about if I'm just a good dancer? Yeah. Yeah. I say that all the time, all the time. <laughs> like, why do we have to have the she and the her in front of it? Like, yeah. she's really good you, for me. You don't say you're a good football player for a guy. You don't say that. Yeah. There are girl football it's definitely... players. Have you seen that? Have I seen what? Have you seen the girl football players? I don't, I don't think I have. They're like savages. I'll have to look but at that. it's really weird because they're like, it's like lingerie football, which really pisses me off mm. because they're really, really good athletes. Yeah. They're literally like, mm. yeah, like, oh, I guess it's so yeah. hard, <laughs> I, I know but they're mean, really yeah. good athletes. They're like so scary. I would never want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's super scary. But so, um, you know kind of piggybacking off of that confidence stuff and just um you seem very close with your mom mm -hmm. do you yeah. get that from your do you think part of that from your mom just feeding into you and like pouring into you yes but also no I know I've given a lot of answers to questions like this um answers like this to questions where I'm like yes but no yes but kind of I don't know um but I do think I've gotten some confidence from her, but at the same time, um, and my mom is okay with me saying this, like 
she's actually not a very confident person when it comes to like self-esteem or like self-image. Um, she still struggles with that, but she's very confident when she's like talking to people or the way she presents herself. And she's so like, she's just a strong person. And if she thinks something, she's going to tell you and she's not going to apologize for it. She's very unapologetic with things like that. And I think that's where I got my confidence from her is just her being like, not afraid to speak her mind and, and, you know, being sure of herself and, and not being scared to, you know, tell her mind. But I think that I kind of give some confidence back to her by me trying to tell her, you know, she's beautiful and to love herself and, you know, that she's perfect the way she is. So I kind of think we almost like give confidence in different ways to each other and we inspire each, each other um, in different aspects. Um, but I definitely think I, I did get a lot of who I am from her and a lot of my confidence from her. Yeah. So that also kind of brings us into you, you now do a lot, like you don't just dance, right? You're now, Mm -hmm. you do like singing and choreography Mm -hmm. also, um, modeling. Was Mm -hmm. that something that you intended to do when you first moved to LA or was it more, oh, an opportunity has presented itself. Why not? Yeah, um, I definitely think opportunity has a lot to do with it, of course. And again, I'm very lucky. Um, When I first moved to LA, I thought I was just going to be going on like acting auditions and then, of course, dancing. That was really all I had intended. Um, But then speaking of opportunity, opportunity, for example, when I did The Little Mermaid, I went in for the dance audition. So I went in to be part of the ensemble and they asked, "Okay, who can sing? And normally I wouldn't raise my hand because I think I'm a decent singer, but like this is Little Mermaid Live, like singing on ABC. So I was like, I don't know if I'm that good of a singer, but I was like, hey, let's try it. You know, why not? Um, yeah, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take, you know what I mean? Or the risks you don't take. So I was like, let's just try it. And I got the song. It was out of my range it was so high and I sang really low and I was like oh gosh I'm gonna embarrass myself but I went in were my notes perfect not at all I'm sure I was off key and off pitch but selling the song I was performing I was like (laughs) winking at the producers I was I was selling it and and they loved that and they were all laughing they were like cheering um, and I ended up being one of Ariel's sisters and I danced in one number, one number. And that's it. The rest I was singing. So wow. it, it's crazy. Cause that's a really good example of, you know, that was just an opportunity. I didn't go thinking I'm going to sing. I went to dance, but they said, Hey, who's a dancer that can sing. And I said, Hey, I'll try, you know, sure. I, I'm willing to try anything. I'll sell whatever you give me. Um, and so I definitely think it's a mix of opportunity and just, you know, not being scared to try new things. And as far as modeling, I never thought ever I would really do anything modeling. Um, you know, of course, I think I'm beautiful and I think I'm gorgeous, but I knew that, you know, um, the people who do campaigns probably don't feel the same way because <laughs> they always want, you know, the same tall, blonde, super thin, you know, girls modeling um, their clothes because they make them look good or whatever. Um, And so I never thought I'd do modeling, but then I kept getting opportunities from my dancing, honestly. Um, I did a huge Dove campaign that was modeling and dancing about um, just trying to be more inclusive. The campaign was amazing. They had me, a plus size dancer, 
Um, they had a transgender woman um, and they had a, another woman with like a beautiful like birthmark across her face. And it was all just about being like confident. Um, and, and then there was like a lady who was like 75 and she was stunning, um, but it was just a really cool campaign. But I, I got that from my dancing. And then like I did an American Eagle campaign but I also danced in that, but then it was like print. So like, it's kind of weird because my dancing has gotten me opportunities in other, in other areas. So I take what I have and I use that to my advantage to get in those other places um, and other industries, if that makes sense. That answer was so long. I'm no, so no, <laughs> it, no, for, no, stop. This is great because it's so informative. And that's the thing is like, you're, you're giving information that people are going to be able to, someone's going to see you and be like, oh, well, that's what she did. That's so smart. Mm -hmm. I can now do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll talk about a little more of the business part in just a minute, but I do want to talk about the breaking the stereotype Mm -hmm. that kind of is all about the confidence and what we're, what we're, have been talking about for a few minutes anyway. So tell people like what hashtag breaking the stereotype means. Oh my gosh. Okay. It means so much to me. Uh, my mom and I actually looked at it and I started it about exactly five years ago, like two weeks ago is when I started it. Um, and it is a hashtag slash movement. Um, I could call it that I started, um, really, um, randomly. I was just in my car and my mom was driving me to dance and I saw one of my friends was using a hashtag, like her own little hashtag. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's fun. Like it'd be fun to create my own hashtag that I can use to kind of, I wasn't even thinking like to brand myself. I just wanted a fun hashtag to use on all my posts because I wanted to. Um, And I didn't think anyone was really going to pick up on it or it was going to go anywhere. It was kind of more for me. And so I could look back on all the stuff I've done, and you know, my old posts and memories and stuff. But after using it for a few months, it just really, really, what's the word? Not blew up, but a lot of people were noticing it and a lot of people were responding really, really well to it. And they just loved the message. Um, obviously it's it's pretty self-explanatory, but breaking the stereotype is all about encouraging people to break the stereotypes of whatever industry they're in. Of course, I started it for dance and like the entertainment industry and breaking the stereotype for um, like appearance, I guess, or like whatever size you are, whatever race you are, whatever religion, whatever background, like just encouraging people to break those stereotypes and hopefully also um, encouraging the entertainment industry to be more inclusive and diverse. Um, But it also just inspires people in all different occupations, which is amazing. Um, I've had so many people tell me like, oh, the entertainment industry isn't the only place where there's stereotypes. Like I'm a woman trying to be, let's say a doctor and it's so hard for us and all these different things. So it's, it's really cool that it's actually gone like to so many other like areas of work that I never even thought it would go to. Um, But it's all just about inspiring people to do what they love, no matter if they fit the stereotype or not, um, and encouraging them to take the risk and to do what they love um, and to be confident in who they are and um, just stuff like that. And it's, it's been so, so exciting. And I'm so grateful. I never thought it would, I seriously never thought it would get me to where I am. And I definitely think it's a big reason why I've gotten to do so many amazing things. I think if I didn't start that and I didn't start speaking out about body positivity and just self-love and the problems in the world and the fat phobia and stuff, I definitely don't think I'd one, have the audience I do, 
And also, I don't think I would have been given the opportunities I've been given. So I'm so grateful and um, I'm working on something very, very close to my heart that I want to do with Breaking the Stereotype um, that I started working on like a week ago. I can't say what it is yet, but it, if, if it works out, it'll be really, really cool and it'll help a lot of people. So, yeah. That phobia is a real thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know people are always like, what? No, it's not. I get body shame, too. It's like, well, I have to be careful with that. Let me let me be clear, because I, I, I never want someone to feel like I'm invalidating their experience. Body shaming is body shaming. And that's bad, period. period. No matter what you look like, if someone body shames you, they're a horrible person. And that's never OK. And you have every reason to be upset. But my thing is, I just want people to kind of maybe realize that there is a big difference between um, being body shamed and being literally oppressed like fat people can't go into the doctor and get proper medical care like you know what I mean it's, it's very different we can't walk into any store and find outfits that'll fit us um and I just I I want my my um how can I say this my my thinner friends to just realize that we 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 never want them to feel like we're trying to invalidate their experience um because there are things like body dysmorphia or just body image issues and eating disorders. And there are so many things that everybody can struggle with, but you will never know what it's like to be a fat person in the world and how we're treated and how we're perceived um, and just things like that. And so, yeah, fat phobia is real. And um, yeah, I just wish people would realize the difference between like body shaming and then being literally oppressed. And also, a lot of people say, so I'm going on a rant, but that's because I have a lot of thoughts in my mind. No, <laughs> but God. a lot of the time people say like, oh, well, the body positivity movement is for everyone. And of course we want everyone to have a positive, um, a positive body image. Of course we want everyone to feel beautiful. And if the body positivity movement helps you, that's, that's great. And that's what it's for. But the body positivity movement was started by black fat women for marginalized bodies that include LGBTQ, people of color, fat bodies, like disabled bodies. That's why it was started. And it's now kind of getting to that scary place where people that it wasn't made for are kind of trying to take it over sometimes or, or speak over those marginalized voices. And now we're kind of getting into dangerous territory where we're losing the what the movement was intended to be and who it was for. Um, that was a really random rant, but um, I, I go on random rants sometimes. No, I mean, I think it, there's a parallel to, you know, of first just wanting to be heard and saying mm -hmm. like, you can matter. But I mean, there's a lot of, of parallel between like Black Lives Matter, right? You, mm -hmm. I am a Black woman. So mm -hmm. all the things you're talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, girl, another day, another yeah. Another day, another thing that, you know, you're, you know, we get like, you're so angry and it's like, I'm just telling you my opinion. That doesn't make me an angry black woman because I'm, I'm going to stand firm in my thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. But the black mm -hmm. lives matter movement made me think of what you were saying, how oh, all lives matter. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. but that's not really, you know, you know, that's not really what yeah. we're saying. So it's the same to me. What I'm hearing is the same thing as like, the body positivity was mm -hmm. is not just like 
for, you know, the model. Who, mm-hmm. it's, it's not for her. <laughs> and it's yeah. okay that it's not for her. Yeah. And, and it yeah. doesn't mean anything against her. And I think no, that's the no, issue no. is that it's too defensive. Mm-hmm. Like you saying body positivity, I can have my own thing too. We don't have to, like, I don't have to discount what you're saying or try to be a part of it because mm-hmm. that is what it does is that it, it it's getting into that weird territory. And then you're like, it's almost like manipulation. It's almost mm-hmm. what it feels like. Like, what? but not, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to tell you something. I want to yeah. be heard. And they're like, oh, shoot. like, we're all good. We all matter. <laughs> all of our bodies are good, you know, yeah. like that. So, yeah. F the haters. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's what I think in the nicest way. So with the, with the business part, right. Mm-hmm. Um, with all these opportunities and branding now, how did you navigate those waters? Oh yeah. Still learning how to, <laughs> honestly. Um, luckily I, I was, I was really lucky because I have a parent that is very good at the business side of things. She has nine degrees. Um, and she was a college professor and, and I'm just really lucky because she's very good at like business and negotiating and, um, and working with brands and, and reaching out to people. She's just very good at that. And I think if I was myself or I was, I was doing this all by myself, I definitely think I would have struggled a lot more. Um, but that doesn't mean it's impossible to do it yourself. If, if you want to achieve something, you can do it, period. Like you can do it. Um, but um, I definitely, it definitely took time. Um, for the first like two or three years, I did not know anything about, I don't love the word, but quote unquote, being an influencer, I, I knew nothing about it. I honestly, people would get like free product and post because they liked it. Like, I didn't realize it was like a business kind of thing. I had no idea. Um, and so in the beginning, when brands would reach out to me, they'd be like, hey, like, do you want to do want to work with us? I'd be like, okay. And they'd just send me stuff and I'd post it. I'd be like, hey guys, look at this for free. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I definitely was like naive and I had no idea how the industry worked. Um, but then like the past two, three years, I've been realizing like, oh, you know, the more friends I talk to that are in the same industry, they're like, no, Amanda, that's no, you're getting, you know, manipulated. Um, and you should definitely be getting paid something. Um, and so then I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm not going to take credit for you know, how I've been able to work with a lot of brands because uh, last year I got an amazing, well, I got an amazing um, social media, like um, manager, I guess you could say, like all he does is like negotiate contracts and if brands reach out to me, he like handles it. So I'm very privileged that I even like have that Mm -hmm. um, at my side, like to use. I'm very lucky because he's helped me a lot. Um, but I think it just comes to as far as like, if you want to like work with brands and stuff like that, um, know your worth, honestly, number one, if they're trying to lowball you and that makes you uncomfortable, do not, do not be like, okay, I guess I'll just settle. Like no, if you know your worth, stick to that. Um, because a lot of the time brands will try to lowball you and they'll be like, oh, this is all we have. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I promise you it's not. So, and I'm not saying that you should like give them a crazy unrealistic number, but know your worth and and um, know that you're not just like a number, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it should never feel like that and always never be scared to like speak your mind or if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, you you know, speak that or stuff like that. But also um, as far as like brand stuff, 
Um, I don't know, know your audience and know your brand. I think that's really crucial as well. Um, and that's, that's, what's going to get you all those opportunities. You know, I'm, I will say not, not to be cocky, but I think I've done a good job myself. Um, cause I do all my social media, like posts and stuff. Like I don't have a, a media person that posts for me or anything. Um, but I'm, I'm really good at knowing my brand and knowing, you know, my audience. Um, but also like, I just post what I would post anyway, but still I, I know my audience and I know my target. And that's why I've been able to work with so many brands is because they can look at my Instagram or social media and see exactly what, what I do, what I'm about, what my message is, what I stand for, what I don't, this, this, this. Um, so just make sure that, that you know who you are and you know your brand, because that'll help you a lot. And do now when these, when these people before, when you were doing like free stuff on, Mm -hmm. not on purpose, but is everything, are you able to, to actually monetize on anyone who wants to work with you? Or do you think there's also some relationships that you just want to build and not necessarily monetize on them? Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely depends. I mean, even now I've, I've done some like free stuff or some like low, low budget stuff, but for me, if it's something that I, I really care about, or that's like a really good message, then I'm, I'm all for it. Um, it's not like if, because I can tell, even though I said that like brands will try to lowball you, of course it depends on the brand. And most of the time, the brands that try to do that for some reason are the brands that have the most to give, but they're stingy. And so I know that if it, if it's like a small, like boutique or company or anything like that, and, and, and they give me a number that's maybe not my, my rate, but I can clearly tell that like, they're not, you know, a huge like corporation or like they have a really good message or they've been supporting me for years. I'm, I'm so open to doing stuff with that. Um, I definitely think it depends on like, obviously like the circumstance and, and what brand it is and the relationship between us. But yeah, I'm definitely not someone where it's like, I give you my rate. And if you can't do that, then we're not doing anything. Um, like I love doing stuff. Uh, one of my favorites that I work with um, that I just love is best buddies. Um, and they're this, um, I believe it's like a nonprofit and they work with, um, kids with special needs. Um, and they like pair them up with, um, what's the word? Um, like, like a mentor. Yeah. Like a mentor, um, in their state or in their city that they can like be friends with and like that they can go to them with questions or anything like that. And I spoke at their conference and I got to dance and stuff and like, that that's something that I will I will always do. Like if they offer me this year or next year, I'll be like, yep, yep. <laughs> Just because it was such an amazing experience. And like I definitely think you have to consider what what experience could you get out of it as well. Um, because I definitely look at that. If I think that there's value um in other areas besides obviously like the materialistic, like the money or how much I'm getting paid, if there's other things that are really beneficial um, for me partnering with them, then I'm definitely like open to that. And obviously to make these connections with these brands, I think in the beginning, especially you do have to do stuff for free or like you might have to do stuff for the experience or the exposure. But I think that's definitely helped me get to where I am because in the very beginning, if you only do stuff, that's like a lot of payment and stuff like that, like, I don't know, I all, all I'll say is like doing stuff for free and like doing things for like experience and because I believe in a brand um 
and I believe in what they're doing and their message, that got me so many connections to other things. Um, and it also just introduced me to people that like I love to work with and um, just amazing experiences. And I think life experience is very, very beneficial as well. Um, so not, not everything should be about the check at the end of the day. Um, and that, that's just my belief though. You are so impressive, Amanda. Like my little cousin, I want to slap her. I'm going to be like, Lana, <laughs> girl, get it together. Cause she's <laughs> a little older than you, but like <laughs> you have so much wisdom and you're so like, you just carry yourself very, very well for oh, someone you. so young. And um, you'll probably get that literally for the rest of your life. <laughs> people tell me stuff and I'm like, I'm 32. Like, <laughs> but like, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Is that okay? Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Let, let's do it. <laughs> why, yeah. What, I mean, why did you agree to come on my podcast? Oh yeah. Um, I love, like, I, I really try to do every, every podcast or interview I can, um, because it, like, I, I don't lose anything. And if I can reach out to more people and, and inspire them in some way, or like inspire them to take that risk or, or to take that leap of faith and, you know, see where it takes them or just to be more confident and, and to love themselves more than I, I love taking that. And also like, I, like, you're not the one, you're not the only one benefiting, you know, I get to reach a new audience that might not know who I am. So it's definitely like a, a mutual, um, what's the word? Like, um, I don't know, like I I'm giving you something. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it, you know, I think for me too, it's also just, um, I've had people with 500,000 followers and who are super popular. And then I've had people who are like 300 followers, but it's yeah. something about, it's a message and it's, Mm-hmm. it's the willingness to collaborate. And I do yeah. believe people should be compensated for their time. <laughs> and f- I firmly believe, like I've had, I've reached out to people, honestly, that I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I would love to have you on the show. And they're like, well, here's how much it is going to be. And I'm like, well, that's not really in my budget right now, but, and they're like, well, I can do it. And I'm like, no, I would never ask somebody to discount their rate. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about that, especially as a woman, like, no, yeah you're not going to, I'm not going to get a discount and ask for a discount. I just, I'll wait until I can afford you <laughs> and then I'll, <laughs> and then I'll have you back on, you know, but, yeah. um, but thank you, honestly, you know, yeah. you could be doing anything on your Sunday and you decided to take, you know, an hour out of your day to come and talk with me all the way in Florida. <laughs> where we're just wild over here. Um, so is it just you? So you said you have a social media manager, like mm-hmm. with, as far as the brand partnerships yeah. and stuff, that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then your mom does the negotiating of like contracts and stuff. Is it just you three then on your team um, so far? Oh gosh. Everyone on my team. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> That's not it. Oh, um, okay. So my mom, honestly, my mom's above everyone. She outranks everyone. She doesn't do everything, but just she outranks everyone. She decides like what jobs I take, what brands I work with at the end of the day. Like she's, she's my, um, like the person I go to for everything. Um, but then I have my social media, like manager. Is she, that does your, is she your Chris Jenner? Oh, she's oh, your Chris yeah. Jenner. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. She literally very, <laughs> very Chris Jenner. Um, <laughs> so we have my, uh, guy that does like the social media partnerships. And then I have my dance agent 
So they get me the auditions for jobs. So they got me like, they got me the Little Mermaid audition. So for dance, then I have an acting agent. So they get me auditions for acting. I have a commercial agent that gets me auditions for commercials. So, you know, like Dove commercials like that. Then is that it? I'm like, okay, yeah, I think that's it. So four, I have four different like, manager agent things and then my mom of course and then they are get commission is it like a commission based mm-hmm. thing so whatever jobs you get then they get a commission from it yeah whatever jobs whatever jobs they send me out on and I book they get whatever percentage okay yeah. and is that now is that different depending on the job or is it always the same like commission for these um people. oh yeah no it, it it different it depends on the job um it depends on how much like the rate is for me and then they take like let's say 10% they always take 10% of whatever my check is and it's always that so it depends like what the the company's rate is that's paying me and they'll get 10% of that you're very informed yeah like it's a you know it doesn't seem like you just show up and you're like well hopefully Hopefully everything's going right. <laughs> oh no, I, I try to be as involved as I can. I obviously I can't, <laughs> if I could be my own manager, I could. So I don't, I don't check every single thing, but I do try to know like what I'm going into and you know, what, what I'm getting paid and um, what my agents are doing. And I, I try to stay as informed as I can, but I'm no like manager or anything. How do you determine what's like fair, you know, mm-hmm. in, in comparison to to make sure that you're getting something that someone else would get. Yeah. Um, it really depends. Um, a lot of the time, you know, like sometimes I'll, I don't want to say settle, but like, I'm okay with a smaller rate because it might be, let's say it's a brand that I've always wanted to work with. And this is an amazing opportunity. If it's not, you know, my perfect rate, but I think it's something, you know, respectable and something that I'm okay with. I'll say yes to it because it could lead me to other opportunities with that brand that I love so you kind of have to like realize like okay it might not be exactly what I want but where could this take me you know what I mean what's where's what's the opportunity in the experience um because that also matters a lot as well um and so it really depends um but if I think something is is like um what's the word almost insulting then I'll, I'll say no um but also I will say brands um not for like dance jobs and stuff like that like they don't negotiate it's just the flat rate or like the rate they give you and if you don't like it you don't do it um so it definitely depends on the job um so for like professional like tv jobs or dancing or music videos it's just a rate and you can't negotiate but for as as far as like brands um they're very open to negotiating like it's it's not you know taboo to be like oh well this is my rate could we could we compromise this a little bit like they're very open and they know that that's coming um so never be scared to like go back to a brand if you get like you know if someone reaches out never be scared to go back to them and say hey well this is actually my rate um so let me know what we can do um and it doesn't have to be like a negative or you know like a never feel like you're being um like rude or like anything like that this is your brand this is your livelihood <laughs> so if you have a rate that that's your rate you know what I mean and they they should respect that even if they can't meet it they should respect it 
Um, and so it definitely depends, but brands are very open negotiating. So it's, it's really, it's really nice. And I've, I've almost always been able to work something out. What's been your favorite performance to date? Oh, uh, definitely the Rihanna, uh, Savage Fenty show. There's no comparison. Like that's, it's so above everything else. And that's nothing against like the other artists I've danced for, of course, or like the other performances I've done. I've, I've loved every single performance I've ever done in my life. Um, and every artist I've worked with was amazing. Like seriously, not one was bad, but just the Savage Fendi show just as a whole was amazing from like the audition to literally watching it air. The whole experience was perfect. Like there, it was just so amazing. Like, and even in rehearsals, like being around so many women who are just so inspiring and it was truly so diverse like so diverse there were people from every size every race every gender identity every ability like so many people from all different walks of life that are so different from each other and it was so cool like watching the show and seeing like how diverse it was and it was so beautiful um, and just obviously Rihanna is amazing and she's perfect and I love her. Um, <laughs> she's just and, Rihanna. <laughs> but yeah, literally just, she's just Rihanna. So obviously there's that. Um, but yeah, the show was amazing. I was honestly really uncomfortable. Um, in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to be dancing and literally nothing. I was like, okay, um, <laughs> this is weird. I was only 18. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, Cause normally I'm a pretty like, or at least at that point, I've gotten a little more mature because I'm 20, but at least at that point, I was, I wasn't the type of person that normally would be like comfortable with that. I was like, I do not want to dance with my jiggly thighs out and, and my butt and my stomach out. But then I was like, no, I need to do this. I love it. My body's perfect. And if I can inspire people, then that's all that matters. And it was also a good lesson for me personally, because like I said, I was very uncomfortable in the beginning, but I definitely think being in the show really helped my confidence as far as like just because I, I was confident already at the time of course but like it, it gave me like this new side of confidence that I don't think I had where it was like yeah I can I can dance in in laundry I can dance in anything like as long as you're confident you look so good and that's it literally if, if you think you look good I promise you you look good like that, that's the secret that I know it literally is a secret like no matter what your like appearance is if you just if you're confident and you're unapologetic people will be like whoa like wow because it's just it's so confidence is so sexy and people do not realize it they underestimate the power of confidence um but I'm so grateful for that experience because I think it really helped me in like my confidence journey and especially as I was like becoming an adult I'm still becoming an adult. I don't see myself as an adult, even though I'm 20, but it really helped me kind of come into like my, my femininity and like my sexiness and, and, and stuff like that as an adult. Cause I was only doing like kids stuff. Um, so it was just a really cool experience and I was so, so grateful to be a part of it. And it's still my favorite job I've ever done. And it probably will be for a good while. <laughs> so what three pieces of advice would you give people who are listening that Ooh. might be struggling with feeling different, particularly okay. to, to maybe some of the younger yeah. girls. Um, I would say stop comparing yourself to other people. Um, it's, it's some of my favorite advice. And I think if 
if you really stop comparing yourself to everyone you see around you, it will help so much. Um, and I still do it all the time, even though like I'm saying this, I still, if I see someone walking down the street, I'm like, oh, they're so pretty. Like, am I pretty? Am I like, you know what I mean? You just kind of naturally compare yourself to every single thing you see ever. And it's really, really damaging. And so just try to stop doing that as much as you can. Um, you're not going to be able to stop right away, but just at least become more conscious about it and say, hey, wh why am I comparing myself right now? How is this going to help me? Because it's not, it's not going to help you. Um, so as long as you love yourself and you think you're beautiful and you think you're amazing and you think your body's perfect, then that's the fact. That, those are the facts. And that's it. Like, you don't need other people to tell you that. You don't need to compare yourself to other people. Um, if you think you're beautiful, you're beautiful. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Um, and then I would also say, if you love it, you should do it, no matter what people say, no matter how people feel about it. Um, if it makes you happy, then it's something you should do. And, and that's that. Um, and then what else? Um, I guess kind of what I said in the beginning, you know, Sadly, the world is never going to be pleased no matter what you do or what you look like or how you act or what you wear or anything like that. They're never going to be satisfied. So wear what makes you feel good. Be who you want to be. Act like you want to act. Be who you are. Be unapologetic. And even if people don't like you for it, at least you can go home and say, hey, I'm being myself and I love who I am. And at least I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. And I'm not putting on something fake to try to be accepted by the world. You know, you can go home and say, hey, I'm being 100% myself and I'm being authentic and that's all you can do. And tell people where they can find you on social media. Yes, okay. My Instagram is my main social media and that's just my name, Amanda LeCount. And then TikTok is the new thing, I guess. So <laughs> that's Amanda underscore LeCount. And then besides that, I have my own website, amandalaccount.com, where you can find literally anything to know about me on there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. I'm going to um, include that stuff in the show notes for anybody who's listening that may want to reach out to you or contact you or just check out your, you know, your content. Thanks for listening to the Warrior Her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, warriors, remember, girls really do run the world.